Amen. Amen. It's good stuff. Uh, let's see. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, pull them out. Turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And you can put your finger in Mark chapter 7 and then flip over and uh, turn to Matthew 15 also. So Mark chapter 7 then Matthew 15. We're continuing our series, Compassionate Interaction, Interactions. Last week um, we had the lawyer and we talked about how the lawyer uh, confronted Jesus and asked questions and Jesus responded with questions and he went into the story of the Good Samaritan. But we talked about more the lawyer's response to that and then how Jesus allowed for time uh, for the lawyer to process. He didn't necessarily demand an answer right there in that moment. Uh, he, he allowed the lawyer to process those things. And so there was the encouragement to ask questions, uh, to ask questions. Um, and so if you didn't have an opportunity to see that, you can watch that online or listen to the podcast. It's there available. And so encourage that. Uh, I, I also want to go back real quick to the pumpkin, to the pumpkin patch, to the, what's that called? The trunk or treat. I'm going to say this. If you are in a neighborhood where you have people coming through and doing stuff uh, and, and you have opportunity in your neighborhood to be a witness for Jesus, stay there. Okay? Do that. Be in there, that community, okay? If you live somewhere where you don't have that, then we'd love for you to come out and be part of us, okay? Uh, that'd be great. And so, uh, you, you know, uh, it, it is an outreach and we need people involved to do these kinds of things. But if you are in your neighborhood in a light there, then be a light there for Jesus on that night, okay? Because it's needed, right? It's needed. Um, so, there we go. That said, Okay. This week we're looking at the Syrophoenician woman in, in Mark, and it's in Mark and Matthew. Um, what would you do for your kids? Some of you are like, oh, I don't have kids. Okay, for those of you that have kids, what would you do for your kids? What would you do? Um, everything. Anything. Uh, when, when I asked this question, I was thinking about this question, was reading through, I've really been reading through this for probably four weeks now. Uh, a lot of people would think, hey, is this story really showing Jesus' compassion? I think it is. Uh, I think it is, but there's others that would say not. But uh, one of the things that stood out so much to me as I've read this story is just the, the, um, the, the mother in this woman that just wants to see a healthy child. Okay. And so as I've been thinking about that, praying about that, processing that, uh, I, it, it leads me to the movie Taken, if you've ever seen that movie. I've never actually seen this movie Taken. Uh, I, I didn't see it. No, I don't think I've seen this. Because, because it, this is a story of a guy whose daughter gets abducted and um, he basically does anything he can to get her back. And it doesn't matter. All he wants to do is he cares about her safety. Um, I, I would say, Jessica's telling me I saw it. I, I don't remember ever seeing this movie. Um, because for this reason, I just can't imagine Liam Nielsen in a, in a, uh, what's the movie? Was it? In like an action figure role. I mean, to me, he just doesn't fit in an action. And so anyway, but he would do anything for the safety of his daughter, even break the law, right? Because that's, I mean, for our kids, right? Isn't that how we 
for our kids. Um, when I was in college, I had a professor who was a counseling professor, and one of the things he talked about was even sometimes the world comes up with, with a truth of God. You know, whether they stumble upon it or the Lord allows them to see it. And he called them golden nuggets of truth. And, and, I, and I think this is, this is a real thing. This happens. And it's cool when you see this happen. Uh, Jessica and I had the opportunity to go to Hawaii this past summer. And uh, it, for me, it was the first time back since I'd lived there as a kid. And for her, it was the first time. But since we've been back, you know, we have to watch the show Hawaii Five-O. So we had never watched it before. And so we're watching it. And so I get to see Hawaii almost every couple days or whatever. I get to see Hawaii. Um, one of the things that uh, has been cool to me for this show is this show, it's obviously a secular show. But... They, they've stumbled upon a couple of these golden nuggets of truth. One of the things that really stands out in, in this show is just loyalty. Loyalty to your brother. And, and of course, it, it's, there's an army, military theme all through it. And that's one of the things that's part of being in the military is that loyalty. Um, but it, it's a strong theme and, and I really appreciate it a lot. The other one is that you've got one of the main characters has a daughter and he has moved to Hawaii. His, him and his wife had divorced. His wife remarried, moved to Hawaii. He moves to Hawaii from New Jersey to live in Hawaii because that's where his daughter is. And she is his world. And it's obvious that he will do anything for his daughter. He'll do anything. Uh, episode we watched recently had um, a, the, the head of the police department, um, a criminal that they had tried This is all fiction, so just remember, don't get too upset. It's all fiction. But the writers said that this, the, a criminal they had chased before had gotten loose. They had found him this, in this particular episode. This criminal pops back up and has abducted his daughter and is now having him break the law, the police head of the police department, break the law to, um, for personal gain for this criminal. And he says, if you don't do these things, I'll kill your daughter. And he knows this criminal, and he knows he'll do it. So he's in that position of, I've got to do this for my daughter. Who would break the law for their daughter? It's, it's man, for their safety. We, we would do some incredible things for our kids, right? If, if my son called me, called me at one in the morning saying, Dad, I need you, what's going to happen? I'm going. I'm going. There's not even a question. There's, I don't even think I'm awake. I'm probably a half a mile down the road before I'm actually awake, you know, but I'm going because my kid called and said, I need you. And I say, kid, he's 19 now. He's not a kid anymore. If Brandon in Montana or Jared in Montana right now said, dad, I need you. What am I doing? I'm getting there as quick as I can. And so I, I would like us to look at this story uh, from that perspective of, of this woman. She's, she's doing all she can for her. Her, her daughter that's demon-possessed. Uh, if you'd stand, I'm going to read. If you'd stand, I'm going to read Mark chapter 7 and then Matthew 15. Verse 24, Mark 7. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syria and Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. 
First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Flip over to Matthew 15, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon and a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Father, we thank you for the, um, this, this piece of history that we get to read. Lord, I thank you for this woman's boldness. Lord, whether it was boldness, whether it was... just hurt for her hurting child. Father, she, she acted in boldness and acted in faith. I pray that as we look at this today and look at her and look at Jesus, that we will become more like you. And that, Father, we would then go out into this world and uh, portray who you are for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so here we have Jesus. He's outside of Israel. He's in the region of, of uh, Sidon and, and Tyre. This is the Phoenicia. It's on the Mediterranean coast. These are um, you know, port cities. There's a lot happening. Uh, some say that, that this is the only time he leaves Israel. Some others say, well, there's these evidences that he did this so whichever but he's outside of Israel he's there and he's heading to someone's house and I would think that he's probably heading to someone's house I would guess probably trying to get away from everybody trying to have a time of rest uh, when I lived out in Montana we our alliance camp was about 35 minutes south of us and we had uh, what we called an upper room and it was the room that if pastors ever needed to get away anyone in ministry needed to get away they could come stay in that room for free to rest and enjoy the camp facilities. There's many other ministries around the country that does that. When, when I read this, that's kind of the sense that I'm getting. He's, he's gotten out of Israel. He's, he's going to someone's house. We don't know who. We don't know where exactly, except it's just up in this area, in this region. And my guess is that he's just trying to get some rest. He's trying to get away. And uh, whether, whether it's his fame, his celebrity, whatever it is, this woman finds him and comes to him and asks him to heal her demon-possessed daughter. In Matthew, she's kind of tagging along, following, kind of bugging him continuing to ask and Jesus doesn't really pay attention uh, finally the disciples are like she keeps bugging us Jesus do something here makes me think of the story of the persistent widow prayer keep asking keep coming keep knocking eventually 
The owner of the house is going to get tired and quit, give up the excuses and come and give what you're asking for. She keeps coming. She keeps coming. The disciples are like, she keeps coming. Jesus, do something. And then we have this exchange. In Matthew, well, actually in both, she calls him Lord. In both, she calls him Lord. In Matthew, she says, son of David. So here's this Greek woman, and we'll talk a little bit more. This Greek woman, not Jew, but recognizes Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. Very interesting. Jesus says that he is there first for Israel, and he's there to feed them first. It's not right to give the first helping, I would say, or even the, maybe the first focus outside of Israel. He's come there for Israel. He's not going to give focus outside of the family. And the question is, is Jesus being rude to her? I mean, he, does he call her a dog here? I mean, I, it was amazing to me. I, I really felt like God really laid this story in my heart to be part of this series. And then as I've been reading it and processing it and then reading, I don't even know how many articles and, and papers and sermons written uh, on this. It's it, it, all the, the many, many different perspectives. I, I actually had one article that I read by a guy who claimed to be a progressive Christian. That was, he, that's what he called himself. He's a progressive Christian. And he, and he uh, really looked down on and, and uh, belittled traditional Christians. He says this is an example in scripture where we see Jesus sin. Because he treats this woman so poorly. And how ashamed I'm hoping everyone in this room already knows this, but I'm just going to say it. Jesus never sinned. Jesus was perfect. He was holy. He was God. He never sinned. Do I say it one more time? Jesus never sinned. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10. We've said that. We've said, I'll say it again. Um, but Jesus had a reason for what he was doing. And we're going to look at some of those things. Jesus, did Jesus come for the Gentiles too? Hello? If you flip over to Luke chapter 2. Verse 28. There he is at the temple. He's being presented. And Simeon is there. Verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So yes, Jesus was there for the Gentiles too. We know that. In this situation, something's going on. Something's going on. I don't, I don't think Jesus is being rude. What we see here is a snapshot. I believe this is a snapshot of story. Um, we, we, live in, we live in a world of video, right? Don't we? Video, easy. Pull it out on your phone. You can video right now. You know, we didn't have that growing up. When I was growing up, we didn't have that. Um, if you had a video camera, they were huge. Um, and you had to hold them on your shoulder. You couldn't hold them in one hand. You know, now you just, you pull it out. I'm amazed that pictures are even still a thing as accessible as videos are. 
you know. Uh, but you compare the story you can learn from a one snapshot compared to a video, which has more information? The video. A lot more information. Now they say a picture has, you know, one picture's worth a thousand words. I mean, I, and I agree with that. But I think what we're seeing here is a snapshot of something that's bigger that's happening. We don't see everything that's going on. The way this lady responds, I mean, one, again, she's recognizing him. She sees him as this Jewish Messiah. She calls him Lord, capital L. She calls him the son of David. She's heard of this guy and trusting other people's stories of him. Maybe she's followed him. We don't, if she's been bugging him, she's been maybe around for a little bit. Something has happened to convince this lady that there's something to this Jesus. And so I think this interaction, it's bigger than what we see. I don't want to guess what it is. Jesus spoke a lot in parables. Jesus kind of had some poetry to the way he spoke sometimes. I, I, there's something more. He's not just putting her down. Now, he could. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, I don't think so. I think he's responding in a way that's not culturally inappropriate in that moment. We think about it in our culture and we apply our culture there and we'd say, oh my goodness, what's he doing? But in that moment, I, I don't think he's being rude. I don't think he's being outside of his character. There's something happening there that's different than what we see and can recognize. Okay, now this woman, very quick-witted maybe, um, she comes back right away, he says what he says, she says what she says, kind of quick-witted, uh, maybe she's just bold, maybe she's bold, maybe she's desperate for her kid. However it is, there's this response. I think there's more to the story than we see. Um, her response results in Jesus responding and saying, Man, this, you, have, you, have, you are a woman of great faith. I almost said I would love to be known as that, but um, I don't want to be known as a woman of great faith. Uh, I'd rather be known as a man of great faith. I, I just, wh what kind of compliment is that? And especially coming from Jesus. Man, that's... So his, who is this Syrophoenician woman? We don't know a lot about her. I mean, it says right there she's Greek. Uh, nationally, uh, she's, she's uh, Phoenician. Ethnically, ethnically, she's a Canaanite. Um, apparently, as we said, she's aware of the Jewish, Jewish Messiah and recognizes uh, Jesus as that. Um, to the disciples, she's a Gentile. And how do the Jews feel about Gentiles? What do they do with them? They stay away. We, they are heathen. Don't even go near them. Not only that, she's a woman, right? She's a woman. And so Jewish males don't even talk to women, don't associate with women. There's just, I mean, unless, unless wife or daughter, you know, and we've talked about this, unless wife or daughter, you know, so, so her bugging them, her following them, the disciples, I mean, in that instance, if, if Jesus did call her a dog, would the disciples even think that was a big deal? No, because she's a Gentile. She's an outsider. She shouldn't even be there. Why is she following us? Why is she bugging us? The reality is uh, to, to, to uh, Jews, dogs were unclean. They didn't even like dogs. So to use dogs was an unclean thing. To Gentiles, they had dogs as pets. So, I mean, how many of us have a dog as a pet? Right? 
the, the word that she uses here is little dog. So when you think little dog, what do you think? Puppy? Puppy? Now you're thinking, oh, that's cute. There's a cute puppy. I don't let my grown-up dogs come under the table and eat our crumbs. I'm like, no, go get in bed. Get out, get out of the kitchen. This is not your room, okay? But if I had a puppy, I'd be like, yeah, it's a puppy. It's cute, you know? She's a woman. She's Greek. She's got two strikes against her. Maybe Jesus is looking for a third with his remark. Maybe he's looking for a third strike. It doesn't come. Instead, she impresses him. She's an outsider. An outsider that is seeking Jesus' response. Is seeking Jesus' response. Um, and again, she's a woman of great faith, according to Jesus. So what do we do with the story? Um, Growing up in the army, my dad being in the army, often walked into new situations. That's what we often walked in. You moved every three years, you came in new. You know, that was, that was not weird, that was normal. Uh, you, you got close to friends, and then friends moved away because they moved every three years. Just new situations, okay? Often an outsider. And you kind of get to that point where being an outsider um, isn't a big deal because you're used to seeing new people come in. You're used to being a new person. You come in, you just dive right in. Is that easy to do? Walk into a situation and dive right in, especially when you've already got two strikes against you. That's hard, but that's exactly what she does. It's exactly what she does. Uh, the difference here, we talked about the Samaritan woman at the well, is that we see Jesus coming to the outsider woman. In this one, we see him accepting the outsider that's coming to him. And to me, that's where the compassion is and the healing that takes place with the daughter is that he accepts this outsider coming to him. I want to see three things real quick that I see here. First of all, I think that we're called to be bold. We're called to be bold. Here's this, here's this woman that he's saying isn't even a child that he should be giving the bread to, yet she's bold and he honors her request. Are we bold when we go to Jesus, when we go to our Father with our request? Are we bold? What does Scripture say? We're his children. How much more does he want to give to us? In Matthew it says, how much more does he want to give us good gifts when we ask in Luke it says, how much more does he want to give us the Holy Spirit when we ask? Are we bold in the way that we ask God for things? Now I'll say this, sometimes we're like, well what if I'm asking for the wrong things? If, you have, if you're in right relationship with Jesus, you're not going to ask for the wrong things. If you are in right relationship with Jesus, are you asking boldly for things? Did you hear the quote that Pastor Chris read, A.W. Tozer? Do we believe in a big God? If you believe in a little God, you're not going to ask boldly. If you believe in a big God, we can ask boldly. So I think we should ask God bold. Second part of this, be bold, is uh, um, are we bold in the places that God has called us or placed us? Are we bold in the places that God has called us to and placed us? Are we, go are we bold for his kingdom? I, 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 I know how this feels. It's been over two and a half years I came here as pastor of First Alliance Church Tekoa. I have the title pastor. Show up, do your job, be bold. Do you know how hard it is just to be bold to all of you guys sometimes? Some of you specifically. 
Not because there's anything wrong with you or you've done anything. It's just for so long I've looked up to some of you guys as this person and now I'm supposed to come and be your pastor? Well, you've got the title, so just do it. Well, sometimes it takes time to build relationship and get to know before you can do those things. Now, I'll be honest. May I just need to be bold. Kind of convicted me a little bit. Are we bold for Jesus in the places that he's put us? Second thing I want us to see is this. Jesus is going to get away. He's going to rest. And he's interrupted. Has that ever happened to anyone? I just need some rest. I need to get away. I've been interrupted. Now it's one thing when our kids interrupt us. As I said, if I'm going to bed and it's 1130 and Colby calls me and says, Dad, I need your help. I'm going. Right? Why? He's my kid. If one of you guys called me late at night and said, I need your help. You know, you're not my kid, but I'm still going to help, right? I'm still going to help. Someone I don't know Someone that's down here interrupts me when I'm and Jesus does. Jesus helps this person. Yes, there's conversation and I don't know that we truly get what that conversation is, but ultimately helps. Sees the need for help. And Jesus helps. Are we that way? Are we willing to be that way? The margin that Jesus has in his life to say, you know what, this was important to me, but now this is important to me. And it's not even something I would have looked at. To me, I think we could walk out this door, walk across the street, spend some time in Walmart. Probably wouldn't take us long to find someone that has two strikes against them in our book. If they asked for help, would we help? Third thing I see here is, do we accept those that are different? Do we accept them? Where's our focus? What do we get focused on? What do we get caught up on? Do we only spend time with, look to those people that look like us, act like us, do the same thing as us? We're in, Jessica and I were in two different parts of Tacoa last night. We had an interaction with some folks that were very hometown, Tacoa. And then we went out to eat somewhere in Tacoa that was obviously a different type of person, hometown Tacoa. <laughs> they were worlds apart in the same town. Who do we spend time with? Who do we choose? Where are we comfortable? Where are we uncomfortable? And who does God? What do we get focused on? Do we focus on the things that God would have us to focus on or do we worry about the things that are really just distractions? Tony Campolo is a speaker, youth speaker, Christian speaker. Uh, he's written many books. Some people like him, some people don't. We're not going to get into that. But he, he's spoken. He did, he did a talk one time where in this talk he's talking about third world, third world kids that are starving and dying because they don't know Jesus. And as he's explaining the story in detail, because apparently it was a place that he had visited, he's explaining this in detail, he, he cusses. He's speaking to a Christian 
auditorium and he cusses. And he just does it and keeps going and then he kind of stops a little bit later and he says, my trouble right now is that there's some of you out there right now that are so upset because I just used a cuss word. And yet, how many of you are upset about these kids that are dying because they don't know Jesus? Where are our priorities? What do we get upset about? What bothers us? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to close, but I'm going to ask you these two things. First of all, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Are you being bold as a child of God? Are you asking him for those things that you're being called to? Are you being bold where he's placed you? Are you altering your direction when distractions come? When people show up unexpectedly, how do you respond? And I'm going to ask you this. Are you focused on the right places? Are you focused on the right people? Are you focused on the right things? Because some things matter. Some things matter. I, I wore this jacket this morning. And I've had so many comments about this jacket. It's just a jacket. If this is what you're focused on, then I, I don't want to be a distraction to you. Because this doesn't matter. It's just a jacket. I would rather you get excited about someone that's come to know Jesus than the fact that the pastor wore a jacket. Father, we love you. And we thank you. Lord, please help us not to get so caught up in our bubble that we miss the world around us. That we miss the people that you love. Jesus, thank you for being an example to us and showing compassion to those that Maybe you didn't, <laughs> I don't know the situation. You were proving a point of something to the disciples and those around. I don't know what it was. Help us to be bold in coming to you. Help us to be bold in the situations you place us. Help us to keep our eyes focused on the right things. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand and sing.